all the souls I have encountered in my travels. His was the most human. semi-daily podcast where we talk about and discuss Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan one bold minute at a time. I'm David Stoker. And I'm Chris LaSalle. Welcome back, Chris. Happy Friday, Dave. Yes, happy Friday. Um, We're moving on to minute number 108, and we are joined once again by Five Minutes of Trouble co-host and junior podcaster Brett Stillo. That's right. I'm a junior podcaster. I hope to get my <laughs> podcasting merit badge uh, by March. I'm, I'm working towards it. My sponsors think I have a good chance to, to get it and become a full-fledged podcaster. <laughs> How you guys I doing? Said, I, I only said that because I just um, I watched uh, uh, the, the Aquatic Adventures of uh, Steve Zizou the other ah. day, and uh, where Ned is, he, he's like, I was a junior member of the Zizou Society. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I love the, I love that world and that movie and that 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 movie connects to a a movie I'll hopefully be doing a podcast uh, of in a few months. But more of that later. Yes. Like, so, like <laughs> but I will say though, a Zizu podcast would be pretty cool. Those of you who are looking to do a podcast, think about I think Zizu. All, I think all those minutes would be all those movies would be fantastic to do in minute form. Oh yeah. Contractually obligated now to do all the Star Trek films. I would do a Wes Anderson minute. Yes, definitely. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Let's you know what? Let's just we know how this movie ends. So let's just let's just start the Wes Anderson minute now and let's just go for it. <laughs> Who? All in favor? <laughs> nah, we. Yeah. Nah, we gotta. Uh, we gotta. Let's finish this one. Yeah. All right. So this minute starts with uh with us fading through the ferns. The space ferns, and this ends with the beginning of our credits, and our first end credit person is uh, Kyle, John Winston. That's the end of this minute. Is we see Commander Kyle, John Winston. Dare we say the the, the great John Winston, the great yes. John Winston? Yes. I hope he's still with us, but uh, but yeah. Do you want more uh, prehistoric-looking ferns? Well, you got them right here. You got them at the beginning of this minute. Just- I do. I do like when we transition from the planet to space. I think that whole I think the whole end is fantastic. I think they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In fact, this is what I wonder, not to get too ahead, but um you know, we talked last time that you know everything that happens on Genesis with the Spock torpedo that was uh based on reactions by preview audiences, and they had to whip that out. So what I wonder is now that we're back in space uh, and we have this wonderful panoramic, almost 3D uh, view of stars and planets, was this how the ending was intended? Would we have gone from bridge to a transitional shot, maybe one more shot of the Enterprise, um, or maybe... You know, oh, zoom in it. on Genesis and do that 3D effect, and uh, then a guy starts talking. Maybe, uh, so that's well, what I, I wonder. To, that's a good. That's a good point. 
I wonder if, yeah, like they're all on the bridge, they're looking at the planet, and then it transitions to them sort of looking at the planet and the, and the sun, the star, and then it does that 3D space thing. Yeah, I wonder if that really was the end of the movie. Yeah. And it was like there was no hope for, you know, anything else. Yeah. Because if it is, and I'd kind of like to think it is, uh, I mean, there's your closure that maybe the test audiences didn't get. You know, Meyer's saying, you know, test audiences were saying, well, it's sad. We wanted to say goodbye to Spock. We want to make sure he's okay in his, in his space coffin. Uh, but you have, uh, you know, this beautiful star field and this great, you know, pre-CGI 3D effect. In fact, I wonder how they did that. It's really kind of stunning. Um, yeah, it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, you, you wonder why they, you didn't see that in, you know, other space movies in the 80s because it's, Again, you get this very 3D kind of effect with, you know, I assume just regular opticals. Yeah, I always get dizzy watching it in, in, in a good way. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's very striking. Um, yeah, uh, you know, guys are saying that this, you know, could this have been, was this, I, I think it is, I guess to answer your question, I think this this probably was um, in the original ending. Um, what we talked about, I think, it was last week with, um, with Aaron, the, there's a we call it the hero shot of the Enterprise. There was a really great exterior shot of the Enterprise pulling away. The, yeah. It actually was leaving. It was leaving um, Genesis, and uh, I mean Genesis looked beautiful. The Enterprise looked beautiful, even with its damage. Um, so I could see how you could almost jump from that shot to you know maybe maybe a quick bridge scene, um, and then to this one because it, it, it. I mean the planet especially looks very similar to. It. As it does in, the, in that in the couple of minutes ago, a few minutes ago. Yeah. Right. Hey, quick question for you guys. And in talking about this special effects shot, you guys have seen this movie quite a few times. Have either of you had the opportunity to see it on a big screen? Uh, just when it originally came out. Yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because on. I have not, and and I'm dying to. Yeah, because that was you know I remember when I saw this. Um, originally yeah on a on a movie screen that that whole swirling effect you know chris i think it's you said it made you a little dizzy and yeah i got i got a slight sense of vertigo the first time i saw it and uh, again it's just it's a great example of movie effects in the 80s and in a way it's just sort of a fun ending shot um you know, something to show before the credits, but it's it's got this amazing depth of field, and you know, it's again these guys were trying to outdo themselves every time they went to the plate. Do you do, are you, do you prefer that they didn't have a you know as the as the you know after they finish the turn and, and and you start to speed through the stars? Um, are you happy they didn't do a warp effect here, and they just really it was just really us you know whipping through the stars really fast we didn't necessarily go to warp it's like i'm kind of glad they did i like, yeah. I like this it, it's, it is it's different it, uh, yeah yeah it's familiar yeah i know i'll be honest with you guys I've, I've never been a huge fan of the the warp effect that they introduce in the motion picture it's pretty it's cool but um i don't know it the uh, rainbow effect yeah the rainbow <laughs> effect you know the, the prismatic hologram kaleidoscope um, this this is in a way like what you might have seen in the original series in the '60s, just with '80s technology. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Because every time they're looking out the view screen, you always see, you know, stars. Yeah. They're always moving by, right? They're, they always seem to be just drifting by stars through the view screen. This yeah. Just you know, sped up a little bit. Yeah. I totally agree. And again, you just like, have that sense of, of depth, like you could fall into it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then you have a guy who starts talking. Right. A guy. Some guy. <laughs> he says a few words. Some guy. Yeah. What do you? Which I had, I had a couple thoughts here, but yeah. What, what do you? What do you got, Brett? Well, I was gonna. You know what that is. Why? Uh, why this is a, another episode of In Search of. Yes. <laughs> I almost wanted him to hear say myths and monsters, lost civilizations. Just a side thing I've rediscovered In Search of. Uh, do you guys remember In Search of when you were kids? Oh, I do. Yes. And it's a it's a wonderful, silly, guilty pleasure, and he he plays up. Nimoy was such a great host for that. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the 70s turtleneck look. And he, among other things, Leonard Nimoy was a master of the turtleneck. No, he, could, he could rock that turtleneck like no other, and he did that on In Search Of. So. Um, but no, he does not do his In Search Of intro here. I did a little research. You guys are probably more in-depth on this. this. Is this the first time he ever did the speech, Space the Final Frontier? First time yes. someone other than Kirk does it, right? Wow. First, yep. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I, I, that was one of the questions I had is like, why did they do it? You know, is it to, I, Brett, I think you said it before, like, you know, was, it, was the audience, was it a comforting thing that people wanted to know, is Spock okay? And by maybe hearing his voice one last time, it was, uh, you know, enough to make you like, all right, he's, it's okay. Mm. He's going to be all right. Yeah. Um, because I've always wondered by that, like, why did they use Spock's voice here? Yeah, yeah, I've had that, I've had that quite same question as well. Like, why? I'm not that I don't like it, and actually, I love it. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting because it always was. You know, it's always always was Kirk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, here's a thought. I did, oh, go for oh, it. Go ahead, no, yeah, no, you. But, please. Uh, I was just about to say. Well, um, it's always the captain that says it. Yes, I'm right. sorry. Yes, it's always the captain. Oh. Right, but but remember, Spock was the he, captain in this film. Officially, correct? yeah, he was initially in command. So, uh, you know, we mentioned, I think, on last uh, on Wednesday's episode, you know, maybe Spock had, uh, you know, his final orders as the commander. Maybe it was like, you know, in the event of my death, I get to make the speech. <laughs> I I hold that prior prerogative as captain. Um, but he doesn't say captain's log. Uh, but he does. But he does do. You know, space. It's just so great because they got a little reverb on it, and he's, you know, he's whispering it. He's all raspy. You know, he sounds ghostly, yes. which I think is part of the effect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The delivery is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, he just knocks it out of the park. Oh, he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic, and I feel like this is, you know, what a great way. You know, if this was truly going to be Leonard Nimoy's final Spock film. I'm, I'm never going to play Spock again. What a way to go out. Yeah. Is to del- deliver this at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's it's part of that whole package that, you know, Harv Bennett initially offered him to, to lure him in. How'd you like to do the a great death scene? Oh, tell me more. Yep. <laughs> and maybe, right. you know, I'd like to think maybe that was in the contract. Okay, but I get to say space the final frontier. Um, and I can... Again, we've said it before. We we love the chat, uh, warts and all, but 
He must have been fuming. Why does Leonard get to say my line? I always say the line. I made it up. A space, the final frontier. I have to I have to wonder though if he really would be irritated knowing that, you know, Nimoy was gonna leave. I mean, obviously all the stuff aside that, you know, they put in the, you know, remember doc you know, yeah. you know, that whole thing and the the the, the envision that Nimoy was never coming back. So I, I have to think that Chatner was like Okay. Well, fine. Do the do the do the space final frontier yeah. thing. Like I, I don't think I, I I would like to believe in my fantasy world that he would not have been upset at that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I want him to be cool with that. And I'll bet you I could see where he was cool with Nimoy because, you know, back then it is pretty nice to know that they were tight. They were good friends and they had each other's backs and you know, he might not have said anything to Nimoy. He wouldn't have complained to Nimoy. But, yeah, he might have gone up to, to Meyer or, or Harv Bennett and given him an earful. And, right. And he obviously didn't matter because, you know, Nimoy, it's Leonard's line. <laughs> it's his yeah. moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, as we've been saying, it's like his, his final bow. And uh, you notice he, he makes a few little embellishments. Like he says, new life forms, I believe. There's a few changes. That was that was some of the, the notes I had was, I think this is the first time it's been modified because I don't think they even used it in the motion picture. Um, I, don't, I, I don't remember them using it in the motion picture, but I could we could be wrong there. But yeah, there's right. a lot of, I mean, if we, let's say the line, space, the final frontier. These are the continuing, continuing voyages, voyages of the yep. Starship Enterprise, her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out, new life forms and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before. Boom. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. That's his. And again, his, his delivery too, like this, where no man has gone before. Yeah. Like, oh, it melt. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Then the only thing missing is the sound of his, of him dropping his mic. He does a little interstellar mic drop or maybe it's a tricorder he drops, but, uh, you say that, Chris, the way, you know, he says it, you know, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Do you think he embellished that on purpose? Or do you think Harv Bennett said, you know, another another nod, another another little element of hope that Spock's going where no one has gone before and I might be back? Oh yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a total yeah. I think it's a it's it's for hope. I think it's a you know, I think in hindsight it's a hint. Yeah. Right? Um no, you can totally, you can read a lot of stuff into yeah. it. Yeah, totally agree. Plus, again, you know, the, the friendship between Shatner and Nimoy, uh, which was pretty sincere and pretty special, I, I can see as an actor and as a friend of Bill Shatner, he's just giddy. Oh, I'm going to do Bill's line. <laughs> this is going to be so good. You know, I'm just, I'm picturing him in a recording studio rolling up his sleeves. And, uh, you know, drinking, you know, having a sip of wine and like, okay, here we go, Bill. <laughs> Thinking of you, man. And uh, just, yeah, I'm going to say Bill's line. And again, he just, it's gone. It's over the park. It's heading out towards the parking lot, folks. Yeah, I would, I would say this is almost my favorite version of the, of the, I don't know what you call it, this phrase. Um, 
the sequence because you know there's, there's the original right from the, sh- the TV show. There's the Next Generation one, which is never been a, I've never been a fan of that one. Mm, um, yeah, I think this is because it's Spock because it's tied with this movie. I if they just kept this one forever, I think I would have been happy with it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think this is the one that tops them all. And the, you know the fact that he's he's really delivering it, but he's also holding back a bit you know it's he's whispering it you know the final frontier it's you know he uh, again I, I think we got to give a nod to in search of and all those in search of he did that prepared him for this uh, amazing moment uh, boom uh, you know one thing I kind of like to point out it's a bit tangential is uh, Nimoy did something slightly similar uh, in 1967, uh, he doesn't say "Space: The Final Frontier," but um, he, on his first album, Mr. Spock's, uh, what was it called? You know, Leonard Nimoy present Mr. Spock's, you know, Strange World. But it is, it's his very first uh, album, oh, Mr. Spock, uh, music from outer space. Uh, of course, he ends the album with this uh, crazy little spoken word piece called "Visit to a Sad Planet." Where I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's definitely worth checking out. It's on YouTube. Uh, I'll I'll post a link uh, a little later. But he, he plays around with um, with the whole you know ship's log, stardate, and uh, he, he tells a, a strange little Twilight Zone esque story in about three or four minutes. And uh, you know I kind of feel like that's almost a primer uh, for his uh, speech here at the end. So visit to a sad planet. I'll have to check that out. That's, is that the same one where he does the Bilbo Baggins song? <laughs> <laughs> no, no you know, it's amazing how many albums Nimoy did. You know, there, that was a time when it was a very popular and common thing to do for celebrities to, you know, they had a hit show right. and, you know, they had a, a record of some sort, you know, often spoken word. You wouldn't believe the dudes who did records jack webb uh lauren green i mean they're just hysterical and uh but you know nimoy loved to sing and he he had a it wasn't a great voice but it was pretty solid and uh you know he does show tunes he kind of knows what to uh what what works for him and what doesn't so i think he did bottom line he did like five six seven albums and it's yeah, it's like a hodgepodge of little poems and ballads and yeah. So in answer to your question, Bilbo was his second or third album. Um, so it's it's funny that we're talking about all the stuff that Nimoy did, like in search of. And I had talked to Chris, I don't know, about a week ago, and on Netflix, actually they have the documentary that was done by his son, yeah, called For the Love of Spock. And it goes through like a lot of the things like I didn't realize he was like on Mission Impossible and um, some of the other TV shows he had been on. I was like, wow, like he had a great range of, of, of work that he had done. Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Yeah, I've, I just watched that documentary not too long ago myself. Highly recommend it if yeah, you're a Star Trek fan. Yeah, definitely highly recommend it to watch yeah. it. It's fantastic. Um, 
and yeah, just lots of great stuff. And you just, you know, if you liked Leonard Nimoy before, you're really gonna love him after this. He, you know, it's it's a I'd say it's a fair documentary. It gets into some of the darker aspects of his personality. You know, he was a complex guy, but yeah, he did a, a big body of work. But what's interesting is, you know, he. I think he had a good sense of what to do and what not to do. Like you mentioned Mission Impossible, which he did, I think, a couple of seasons. And then he he moved on. He got bored with it. Yep. And uh, uh, here's one. If you're a fan of Nimoy, I can't remember if you can find it on, on YouTube. Right after he did Mission Impossible, he did a, a pilot for a supernatural adventure show called Baffled. And if you're a Nimoy fan, right. it's a real kick because... He's he's really playing against character. It's 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 like he finally gets his chance to be a romantic, adventurous leading man, but then I think it, he realizes quickly, oh, and I'm not right for this. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to. I, I I like the bursts of it. You know, with the hints of it you get as Spock when he kind of loses his control and you get the little burst of emotion yeah. and things like that. But no, I don't think I could watch a whole, a whole <laughs> yeah. episode of him in that mode. It's uh, it's fun, but it's also kind of goofy and weird. And you know, there's a scene early on. He he plays a race driver with psychic abilities, and he's oh, wow. yeah. So he kind of does this whole playboy thing. Uh, I can't remember the his uh, the female lead, but you know, she comes to see him, and he he's putting the make on her. He's like, you know, I know a great Indian plays around the corner. Let's go get dinner, maybe some wine. And he's like, Leonard. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, no, this, is, this is too weird. It's weird, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. amazing. Baffled. But, yeah, baffled. Walk the line between life and death. Ah, you found it. Yeah. It's uh yeah, and it was it was a pilot. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't wasn't bad for what it was, but when you watch it, it's interesting because I think at some point he just realized, you know what I I don't think I'm cut out for this. I'm not, you know. It's like I'm sure it seemed like a good idea at the time and then it was like I'm just not a I'm not Robert Wagner. Robert Wagner is Robert Wagner. I'm I'm Leonard Nimoy. You know, more for something for Shatner. But it, it it's if you're a if you're a Nimoy fan and a Spock fan, it's fun. And again, he rocks the turtleneck. Oh wow, it's on YouTube. I'm totally. I know what I'm doing tonight after uh, after this recording. Oh fun! You got you got to tell me what you think. It's it it definitely has its early '70s clunkiness. But if you're if you're a Nimoy fan, uh, it's a kick. We'll have to post a link to the Facebook yes. page. Dave. Yeah. Baffled. He's a psychic race car driver. Well, that is it, guys. We get the uh, we get Spock delivering the space, the final frontier, and the beautiful star field, and uh, and we get into the credits. We made it to the end. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Congratulations, yeah. congratulations, you made it. <laughs> yeah. But though you still Thanks most for it. Thanks for it. Uh, yeah, you still have to navigate through the the Kobayashi credits. So yes, there is that okay. danger, but, um, but yeah, no, this is, uh, so, you know, pretty good. We get a pretty good, decent chunk of the cast in, in this minute. Um, uh, it's always fun. I always, always, I always enjoy looking at how they order the original cast, what order they get listed in, you know, it's, it's Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Chekhov, Sulu, Uhura. Uh, and I'm always, I'm always interested what order they get presented in. Yeah. I feel like that sounds about, that sounds about right for this movie. I feel like Chekhov definitely had a little bit more meat than, say, Sula and Ahura. I, I feel like the order is right. Yeah. You know, I it was funny. I watched, I looked over those initial credits a few times, and 
It was to me, it was almost like a nod to the series. Uh, you've got people like Paul Winfield and Ricardo Montalban, of course, who have a lot more dialogue than, right. say, George Takei or Nichelle Nichols, but they are the primary cast. It's, it's like a nod to the TV series. You have your regulars first, and then your guest stars. Um, yeah. Only thing, though, what do you guys think? Do you, do you think Ricardo was a little too low in the credits? To me, I feel like... And- we may have talked about this in the beginning when they do the opening credits. I think he is the last actor in the in the credits, isn't he, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I think he is. And he I, is. I think I agree. I think they could have done you know, they could have done it where you see now the full cast list, and then at the end of it, it's like and you know Ricardo Montalban. Either, either that, or I feel like he goes right after Nichelle Nichols. I feel like either he's up top because he's the yeah he's yeah. number one. It's a or, yeah. Yeah. Or he is, like you said, Chris, or he's at the end and it's like, and featuring, you know, Ricardo Montalban as, you know, something like that. Yeah. Or they, you know, I've seen uh, cast uh, credits roll by where they, they do special sort of graphic changes. You know, somebody's name is actually larger in one spot or there's a space. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, for crying out loud, Merritt Buttrick gets his name above Ricardo Montalban. And I'm sorry, you know, I, no offense to Merritt. Rest his peace, but Ricardo needs to be higher than Merrick Buttrick. I'm nope. sorry. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. But, Did, and, but, you know, and also, so Kyle, right? John Winston is, is Commander Kyle. Yeah. Shouldn't he have been higher up, too? Because he was on. He's, he's a, he was on the original series. He's playing Kyle, who is the same character. Right? Yeah. Just, you know, he's a different rank. I think they could have put him up a little higher, too. Yeah, but at the same time. So messed up. Uh, Savick's in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play devil's advocate there, you know, no no offense to John Winston, but he's, he's lucky to even be in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I feel it's like, a nice I feel touch. Like, I liked Mr. Kyle on the show, and I'm glad he was there. Like but Peter Preston's too high, too. Like, he's in it for, like, two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get it, you know, it's, it's you know, it's it's Ike, and he's he's famous, and what a great nod to have him in the movie, and he, he played, a great, played a great part, but, yeah, he could go down a little lower. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it, it makes me wonder... You know the the policy or the protocol with listing credits and how this was decided. I'm sure there was, you know, a, a very intense meeting about it. You know, scrolling through it, I wondered is it is it partly seniority? Is it partly a you know order of appearance? Like, okay, did uh, David Marcus? Did we see him before Khan? I can't remember. It seems like yeah, we see we do see David before we see Khan, but. Mm. We do, yeah, we do, because check, check off checks in at regular, uh, yeah, before they go yeah. down. Uh, but uh, yeah, so maybe that could be it. Mm, but then I would feel like Kirstie Alley would be the number one person under Nichelle Nichols because she's the first person we see. Yeah, true that. So I, I'm sure there were you know egos that had to be soothed and because uh, you know yeah we're really when you get down to it, uh, Kirstie Alley should have been the very first person listed if we if we went strictly by the book (laughs) if we go by the book um hours would seem like days days. minutes would seem like hours um but uh yeah it's just you know a minor minor little thing that it, it to me it seems like like i get where ricardo is in the opening credits because he's like yeah that he's Sometimes being last is cool. 
and Jerry Mathers as the beaver. Um, <laughs> but he's a guest star. Yeah, yeah, he's our special guest star, which I could never understand in a movie. Isn't everybody a guest star? <laughs> Yeah, but it's a movie based on a TV series. But uh, but yeah, in the closing credits, it seems as though, uh, yeah, Ricardo should have been a little higher up, of course. Then you get, um, I, I assume you guys have probably talked about this. Um, is it Judson Scott? Yeah. You know, you probably have talked about. Found. Yeah, and you know, you guys know that story, right? Have you talked about that? Is uh, just that he got he was uncredited. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, but it was it wasn't Judson Scott's fault. It was his agent basically ticked off a lot of people. So, because uh, where do you think where do you think he should be on the list? Would you put him above Ricardo? Um, he I think you know he, he could be right below Ricardo. I think he definitely goes above Ike Eisenman. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So, oh heck, maybe we just do our own credits. You know, list him as we so the order of the is actually mirrored of what the intro credits are. So everyone from William Shatner, everyone is in the exact order they are presented. So I just happen to be looking back. So it says, you know, Nichelle Nichols, also starring B.B. Besh, Mara Futrick, and Paul Winfield, introducing Kirstie Alley and starring Ricardo Montalban. You know, so it's just that same order. I think they just repeated it. Yeah. So they were lazy. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Lazy. I, th- I think that's what we're getting to is that they're lazy. Yeah. Or again, maybe that was just the easiest way to keep everybody happy as a least common denominator. It's like, we're just going to repeat the beginning and that's it. And I don't want to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is why I always alphabetize. Then no one gets hurt. Yeah. There you go. Although I I go back and, you know, this is obviously minute number two. And looking at the opening credits... Here we're seeing the closing credits all the same size. The opening credits, Shatner, Nimoy, DeForest Kelly are all the same size. Everyone else is like a smaller size, and then they get to Ricardo Montalban, and it goes to that bigger size again. Yeah. So he, he definitely gets his due in the opening credits, you know, where he's more of the prominent actor. Yeah. Closing credits, not so much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whole big game. Uh, I yeah. remember uh, the opening credits to The Towering Inferno, where you had paul newman and steve mcqueen and it was mostly steve mcqueen but you know there was a whole big controversy over who's going to be top build who's going to be first and so they if you look at the opening credits you have newman on i think newman appears first and then to the, his to the immediate right of his name is mcqueen and they're almost parallel to each other, but not quite. And then McQueen's name is a little bit larger. And again, this took like weeks of negotiation to get to that. I'm sure. <laughs> Crazy. So, uh, yeah, there was a, probably just to appease everybody and to get over that hump. It was like, here, we'll just repeat the beginning. Good night. Good night. Good night. And uh, there we have it, guys. Outstanding. Outstanding. Again, congratulations. You, Thanks for getting us there, Brett. Well, I just, I just kind of came in at the last minute. And, uh, yeah, somebody had to remove that big cork in the engine room. Uh, that, that steam in my face kind of hurt a little bit, but I think I'll be okay. I just, you know, I took a couple Ricolas, and that seems to help. So. <laughs> the cork. <laughs> 
Oh, now I'm going to have that in my head every time, too. I'm going to hear a cork <laughs> popping when he <laughs> pops that off. Yeah, it is. Picture doing, you know, the cork thing in the warp drive. The watch him the cork, you know, it's, it, it holds the space in. <laughs> Whatever that thing is. I'm sure it has an official name on like a memory alpha, but from now on to us, it's the cork thing. And, uh, but yeah, you brought her home. She's approaching space dock. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you guys have any other notes for this minute? Uh, it, nope. I, I think we covered it. Other than maybe, the, you know, the the glowing neon blue font of the credits, which sort of reminds me of a something you would have seen on an Enterprise view screen or on a monitor. It kind of has a glowing, you know, 80s vibe to it. But well, I love the glowing blue neon colors. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah, definitely, definitely puts this movie in its place. You know, it's the early '80s. So it, it, that's it's a cool look. Uh, now you know what I've never thought about that before, but now you're right. Is this the, is the same the same font they use when you see something like painted up against the wall? You know, like letters on a wall or on a screen. I got to go back and watch. Yeah, it does look like that. You know, block letter. Oh, okay. <laughs> eh, worse, there are worse things could happen. Um, Brett, this is uh, something we ask all of our guests. Um, to, uh, would you be able to? Would you rank the Star Trek movies for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty easy assignment. Definitely, Rathacon is first. And uh, I would, you know, you had Scott Corelli on a, a few weeks ago, and he spoke highly of uh, Search for Spock. And I would have to, you know, agree with Scott. I would put personally, I would put Search for Spock at number two. You know, it is as a movie, it has a few flaws. It's got some clunky parts, but overall, I really love the epic feel of it, and uh, it, you know, the way it transitions. You know, those two movies work well together. Um, so, big search for Spock fan. Uh, then I go number four. After that, number six. Uh, number, you know, motion picture would come next, but you know, as I said earlier, you know, I think it's a it's a pretty good movie. Uh, it's not as, it's not that bad as maybe we in, sort of initially made it out to be. At the bottom of the list is uh, Final Frontier. As, as it should be. As it should yes. be. Though, I'll say this in defense of Final Frontier, it's it's got one of my favorite Shatner moments. You know, and maybe there's, you know, something to be said, like even the worst Star Trek movie has a, a couple of good moments. But I, I love his line, excuse me. Why does God need a starship? And that that's classic <laughs> Shatner. That insistent, you know, and, and what what's what's he doing? He's talking back to God. Excuse me. Excuse me a moment here. Why does God need a starship? I mean that that is a classic Shatner moment and he delivers fully on that. Um, yeah, so as far as the original cast and the motion pictures uh, I'd run it down that way and you know Generations is up there for me. Um, Final Frontier, uh, Confession Time. Though never saw Nemesis, never got around to that one. And uh, what was the other one from the Next Generation? I, I can't even remember the title. Star Trek. I can't remember the title. Insurrection. 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 Yeah, never. Insurrection. Yeah, never saw either of those two. And uh, I am a closet fan of Insurrection. Yeah. Closet. <laughs> I. I so obviously publicly now I'm coming out and saying that I enjoy that movie, but I find 
whatever about that movie, every time it's on, I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this now. It just, it's like my guilty pleasure. It's like, it would be if I liked Final Frontier, which I don't. Um, but I, I really like Insurrection. Yeah. Well, I'll say I've that. Seen, I, yeah. I've seen both of them, Insurrection and Nemesis, and I have no memory of them at all. So they did not stick with me. Well, when we get to those, Chris, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in 10 years. Yeah, tw- 2024. Um, but yeah, now you've got me inspired to, like, finally hunker down and see Insurrection. So I feel like, yeah, maybe I owe, I owe it to Picard and company. Because um, I, I liked. Uh, I like the first two, and then yeah, for some reason I just I just wasn't there for the next two, and um, and heck, I will, you know this this might get me kicked off the show, but I'll I'll give a I'll show a little love for Into Darkness. Okay. Yeah, you know it definitely has its problems, but uh, you know not a great movie, but I had a fun ride when I watched it, and uh, yeah, we we joke around and we'll say you know. Star Trek Minute, and I mean uh, Star Trek uh, Motion Picture, and we'll say, uh, you know, Final Frontier. I don't think there's a unwatchable Star Trek movie. No. Yeah. They have their moments. They do. Yeah. Exactly. They uh, they all you know they all fulfill their mission. They're entertaining, uh, thoughtful space opera, and uh, yeah, you know, the worst Star Trek is way better than. I don't know what's what uh, I just blanked here. What's an absolutely terrible uh, space uh, opera? I was, I was waiting to see where you were going with it. Um, I just I just blanked out. What was uh, you know Jeff Goldblum versus aliens and lots of explosions and Will Smith. Um, Independence Day. Independence Day. Yeah. 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 I, I would I would say that the you know I would take a bad Star Trek over an Independence Day sequel. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Or even Independence as, as Day. As we should. Yeah. In, yeah, Independence Day was like Taco Bell. Like I went into that and boy, that was great. And then <laughs> I thought, well, why the hell did I eat all that Taco Bell? <laughs> why the hell did I like that movie? It seemed so great at the time. I think there was a, but we'll save that. We'll save that for uh, their uh, podcast about that one. So, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, uh, I have. I'm all tongue-tied here. I'm getting emotional, guys. Uh, just thanks for having me on the show. It has been a gas this week. It's been, it's been great. We really appreciate having you on. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Being our, being our final guest. Um, I'm like honored. Said, we're going to be back. We're going to be wrapping, wrapping the, the, the season up with uh, one more episode. And uh, we'll, we'll go through all the credits, uh, Dave and I. Cool. Thanks for being on, Brett. Thank you, thank you, and um, cool. Well, I, one, la- one last time, do you want to share with folks where they can uh, find you uh, out and about online? Oh, oh sure. In the, in this crazy world of uh, minute podcasts, uh, my cohort and I, Josh Horowitz, do a five minute podcast. Crazy! It's a weekly digest format, and it's called Five Minutes of Trouble. Uh, we cover uh, John Carpenter's legendary cult film, Big Trouble in Little China. We're just wrapping it up right now. But, yeah, check us out. We're on the usual places like iTunes. Um, definitely on Facebook where we have uh, our main page and a, a fan page called the Five Minutes of Trouble Truck Stop. So please check us out uh, for all kinds of fun and adventure. Absolutely. We will do that. And everybody else, you should do that as well. Yeah. Um, you yeah. better. 
And, uh, yeah, it's Friday, uh, so we just want to give a shout-out to um, uh, the Star Wars Minute guys, uh, Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson, who started this format uh, uh, way back in the day, and uh, we've all kind of adopted and, and uh, made it our own. And um, So thanks to those guys, a little shout-out. And um, if folks if you want to find us online, uh, we're at rathaconminute.com. We're on Twitter at WOKMinute, and we're on Facebook at the Rathacon Minute Listener Federation. Uh, if you want to find us on iTunes, uh, uh, leave us a review and rate the show. We'd be uh, much appreciated. Uh, and we're going to be back again, like I said, on Monday, Dave and I, with uh, uh, Minute 109 of Star Trek Two here at the Rathacon Minute. Gone! Wait, who was that? Was that Dave or Brad? Was that me? <laughs>